All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, Doreen, that was lovely. Um, I heard Sina say that she really liked your new format. I do too. I, I like it better, if you don't mind. I like hearing from your journal better than hearing, um, you know, from somebody else's writing. And, uh, you know, as you were reading from your journal today, it reminded me very, very much of my journals. So it was really sweet. So thank you so much. I love it. Um, so, hey, everyone. Uh, we're here again for Seven Steps of Awakening and Out of the Stillness. And today we are starting with quote number 125. So starting with the seven steps to awakening. Quote 125 from the Yoga Vasista says, People like to argue and confuse others. They are indeed confused. People like to argue and confuse others. They are indeed confused. And I do remember uh, at the time, you know, because this is when I was really first starting the seven steps. And at this time, I was in a Facebook group that supposedly was enlightened people only. And uh, it was interesting because all they did was argue. I remember thinking that was very, very interesting. Uh, I don't know if that has anything to do with my contemplation, but it certainly jumps back to my mind when I read this. People like to argue and confuse each other. They are indeed confused. And that ended up being my assessment of that particular group, that they were people who claimed enlightenment, but weren't, that it was an egoic claim. Um, because all that happened in there was fighting and putting each other down. And <laughs> it just looked like 100% ego to me. Um, but going to page 49 of Out of the Stillness, my contemplation of that quote, number 125, says, It is best to let each one follow his path without interference from me. Why would I correct another? or state an opposing view if my view is not invited? Do I need to assert my view or feel threatened? Is asserting preferred to feeling threatened? Let go of inserting, let go of asserting. Let feeling threatened happen. What feels threatened? So clearly when I was looking at number 125, um, I was looking at myself, which is really appropriate. <laughs> That's what we should be doing when we're contemplating, right? <laughs> so uh, I was looking at myself. And as I was looking at myself, I was probably looking at times when I wanted to correct others. Or um, there, there have been times when people have said, you know, this is my guidance, yada, yada, yada. And I felt pretty strongly that they were listening to ego. And maybe what I wanted to do sometimes was tell them, you know, that wasn't guidance. And here's how you can tell. <laughs> um, so I'm looking at these tendencies in myself. And I'm really asking, I'm not just saying thou shalt not correct others, right? Because that's that's never helpful. You know, I'm looking at why this desire to correct others is showing up. What's behind it? And I'm asking, why would I correct another or state an opposing view if my view is not invited? You know, like what, 
leads me to want to do that? And then the next question actually kind of reveals the answer that was occurring to me. Do I need to assert my view or feel threatened? And what I was discovering was, and by the way, I, I noticed this a lot less now. Maybe I can't even remember the last time I've noticed it, so maybe not at all now, and I'll come back to that in a moment. But the what I was noticing then was, A lot of my, or at least a certain amount of my spiritual belief was just that, belief. Uh, it wasn't direct experience. It wasn't knowledge. It was what I had learned and believed. And when you believe something without having the direct experience of it, there's necessarily embedded in it doubt because you don't know it, right? And so if there's doubt, then you feel threatened when an opposing belief shows up, something that says what you believe is not true, right? Then, then you feel threatened. And so what you want to do is you want to assert yourself, ego, Assert yourself to puff yourself up and to feel comfortable again. Can you all recognize this tendency? Yeah. So this is what I was really discovering as I was looking at myself on this day. Why would I correct another or state an opposing view if my view is not invited? Why would I do that? This is a genuine question. What's going on here? And then here again, it's still stayed in question form, but it's the answer showing up. Do I need to assert my view or feel threatened? Is asserting preferred to feeling threatened? When I see that's true, look at the conclusion I come to. Let go of asserting. Because what this means is asserting is puffing up the ego. And I know that's not what I want. I don't want to puff up the ego. So if the choice is to assert which means puff up the ego or feel threatened, which is really the ego feeling threatened, I choose feeling threatened. Feeling threatened is more aligned with my purpose than asserting. Can you see that? And so the instruction I give myself is let go of asserting. Let feeling threatened happen. What feels threatened, right? The ego. And so it's not real often that people choose to let feeling threatened happen, <laughs> All right? That's not a, a natural human tendency to embrace feeling threatened. But if you look at the, the path I followed, the path of clarity that I followed, you can see that to me, it came down to the choice of enlivening ego, right? Puffing up ego, or letting ego feel threatened so that maybe it will decrease. And so this is why I chose feeling threatened. And so the practice that would happen then after this is whenever my beliefs were challenged by another point of view, I just let that happen. And in fact, um, Awakening Together was only founded a year later. Uh, and in, in one year, a person typically only makes a certain amount of maturity. 
you know, if you gauge your spiritual maturity on a yearly basis, if you're doing a practice, a, you know, a sincere practice, you will probably notice progress on a yearly basis. But it's kind of like stair steps. Five years, you may be dramatically different from five years ago, but each year, you know, it's it's a little over, a little over, a little over. So when Awakening Together started, it wasn't much longer than this. So let me um, share my screen for a moment and show you all something. show you all of my work first and then we'll get rid of my work oh here we go let's go to um awakening together about our spirituality our purpose and our values and for those of you who don't know uh, when i was guided to start awakening together the purpose and values came very quickly very suddenly and without warning and in fact, I was standing at my, in my kitchen at the time, and the only thing I could find to write them down was a napkin. So originally, these, this purpose and core values got written on a napkin because that's what was nearby when they started coming. But I had absolute clarity, just like whenever you receive anything, you have absolutely clarity about what you're receiving. So I had absolute clarity. And so um, I want you to notice this first core value and the second core value. The first core value says, we trust everyone is led by unique inner guidance to one experience called awakening, which is realization of one true self. We live this value by supporting one another on different paths of awakening. Okay, so here's what this said to me, Regina, because these core values weren't just for y'all out there. They were for me, right? Everything you receive is always for yourself. So this was very much related to what we're looking at here in number 125. I need to trust each person on their path. Remember, I said that sometimes I felt like when somebody would say, that's my guidance, I wanted to tell them, no, it's not your guidance. Here's why. Here's what you should do. Have any of y'all ever felt that? This is really telling me hands off. Whether they're following the right mind or whether they're following the wrong mind is not your business. In fact, maybe sometimes people have to follow the right, the wrong mind before they're ready for the right mind. Your business is to trust that everything that's happening for them is perfect. And your business is to support them on their path. Heartfelt support. This doesn't mean if they have to go through an alcoholic syndrome that you're buying them the alcohol. But there's a heart support for what everybody walking their own path. This doesn't just say we trust awakening together members are led. <laughs> this doesn't just say we trust people on the spiritual path are led. This says we trust everyone is led by unique inner guidance to one experience called awakening. Everybody's heading in that same direction. Sometimes some of them still have to go through some awful worldly or egoic experiences first. You know, sometimes the way to get to the point that you realize that you want something different is to be brought to your knees first, right? This just says, I trust that the way everyone is walking is perfect for them. And I'm going to support them on all of these different paths. 
You see how that's related to number 125? Instead of feeling threatened by their path, because I think it should look like mine, I'm gonna support them on their path. Number two is also related to this. We realize everyone is equal and no one has been given spiritual intuition that is an authority over the spiritual intuition of others. But you know, if I use that Facebook group as an example, everybody on that Facebook group thought they were the authority over everyone else. That's where all the arguing was coming from, right? Everybody thought they knew they had the truth and you know, and, and, and all of this. This says everyone is equal and no one has been given spiritual intuition that is an authority over the spiritual intuition of others. We live this value by listening to each other, respecting each other, and allowing each one to be where he or she is. Do you know that when I received this on the napkin, the day that I received this on the napkin, I knew this last part was still a challenge for me at that time. I knew that it was difficult for me at that time simply to allow everyone to be right where they were. Can you believe, well, maybe you can believe that. But for me, I'm like, can you believe that? Because now I would never, ever have a challenge with that. <laughs> right? But then I did. It was a challenge for me just to allow people to be where they were instead of to be where I thought they should be. Right? Every one of our core values are here to help us awaken by letting go of the tendencies in us that block that awakening. And core value one and two are directly related to what was happening here as I was contemplating quote number 125, right? We let go of our ego by allowing others to follow their guidance, regardless of whether it's egoic guidance or right-minded guidance. Let them walk their path. Why would I not just let someone walk their path? because somehow I feel threatened because I'm only at the level of believing here, right? Let people follow their own uh, spiritual intuition. Why would I want them to follow my spiritual intuition? Well, probably because it's actually not spiritual intuition. It's just believing. I'm following my believing and I feel threatened. So by letting go of trying to in any way control or manipulate others and just let them go their way hands off that's theirs even if i feel threatened if that's scary for me if i'm worried the world's going to fall apart all of that is my feeling vulnerable i allow my feeling vulnerable and that is actually taking down my ego that's my business now, I mentioned that I don't have as much of a challenge. In fact, I might not have any challenge with this. If I do, I'm sure it will make itself apparent, but right now I'm not aware of it. Um, I don't have a challenge with this. And there's a, a strong reason for that. The challenge is that now I have more direct experience. I'm not as caught in the believing. I've done the spiritual practices. I've done the contemplation. I've done the meditation that has led me into more of the knowing. And when you know, you don't feel threatened. 
The threat comes from believing and not knowing. Also, when you know, it's amazing how much more you realize that everybody has to follow their own path. It's the only way they're going to get to the knowing. So this interest in trying to make others do it my way, see it my way, walk it my way, that falls away. Because you know from your own experience that they have to go through what they have to go through. And you don't want to interfere with that. So believing rather than knowing is what causes the feeling threatened. And the only thing that's being taken down by allowing the feeling threatened is the believing. And as the believing is taken down, that opens up the presence to discover the knowing. So again, Yoga Vashista said, people like to argue and confuse others. They are indeed confused. They're confused because they think asserting their ego is the way when feeling threatened, not asserting is actually the way. It is best to let each one follow his path without interference from me. Why would I correct another or state an opposing view if my view is not invited? Do I need to assert my view or feel threatened? Is asserting preferred to feeling threatened? Let go of asserting. Let feeling threatened happen. What feels threatened? So I'll pause here to see if anybody has anything to share on number 125 before we move on to 126. Andy posed a question. Oh, okay, let's see. What if it is truly helpful to correct someone if they are totally open to and appreciative of your guidance and there is no doubt ego threat involved on your own part? Yeah, Andy, that's a good question. Uh, those times do occur. Uh, and those times come from a different place within me. I mean, that's the answer, right? Uh, there is more of just this intuitive feeling uh, to say that to say whatever. And in fact, if the ego act comes up in, in those feelings, the ego is more, don't you say that they're going to think this of you. <laughs> you know, the, the ego is arguing in the opposite direction in those times. So, um, so you're absolutely correct. There are times when it's not coming from the ego. It's not asserting the ego. It's just clear that it's my part to say this. And when that happens, then that can be said without puffing up the ego. Thank you for asking. So, you know, all of this stuff, you have to tune in to really know, you know, what's best in that moment. One thing that will always help you, or at least usually help you, I don't know if there's such a thing as always, one thing that will typically help you to make the right decision, meaning the best decision for that moment, is to have your purpose clear. Uh, there's a difference in wanting somebody else to act a certain way. That's one purpose. And wanting to awaken for yourself. That's another purpose, right? If you keep your purpose clear, however you state your spiritual aspiration, and you're always coming with that purpose in mind, you can really trust what comes forth from you. 
But as soon as you allow your purpose to shift, I want this to be different, I want that to be different, and you're coming from that, then you're coming from ego. So the thing to pay attention to is your own purpose and keeping your own purpose clear, direct. That's the, the narrow path that Jesus spoke of. The narrow path is having one purpose and, and allowing everything in you to always be aligned with that one purpose. All right, let's move on to 126. 126 from Yoga Vasista is a little longer. It says, all this discussion and argumentation take place only in and because of ignorance. When there is knowledge, there is no duality. When the truth is known, all descriptions cease and silence alone remains. Then you will realize that there is only one without beginning and without end. But as long as words are used to denote a truth, duality is inevitable. However, such duality is not the truth. All divisions are illusory. I'm going to read that same thing again. All this discussion and argumentation take place only in and because of ignorance. When there is knowledge, there is no duality. When the truth is known, all descriptions cease and silence alone remains then you will realize that there is only one without beginning and without end. But as long as words are used to denote a truth, duality is inevitable. However, such duality is not the truth. All divisions are illusory. So I'm going to read 126 from my journal now. Oh, I love this one. This became like a favorite practice of mine. I love this one. What is there to argue about? Isn't what is present present? Can that be argued? We can only argue about concepts or interpretations. When concepts and interpretations are seen as invalid, can there be arguing? And then I wrote a note. And this is the practice that I, that I adopted. If I can disagree with anyone on any point, that point is invalid. Truth cannot be disagreed with. Since this is true, I can keep quiet and not disagree. So first of all, uh, the clarity that was coming as I was contemplating the Yoga Vashistha's words is that if, if truth is non-dual, and I didn't have the experience of it at this point, but I could accept the premise. <laughs> if, if truth is non-dual, if all there is 
is, is, how do you like that sentence? Had three is's in a row. <laughs> Can you follow me? <laughs> if all there is, is, is. <laughs> um, then nothing else is true. If all there is, 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 then nothing else is true. And I can look at myself and I can verify is. You know, is, is present. It's often called the I am presence, but I can verify that. Like right now, isness is, it's present, it's here, it's aware. Like I can verify that. And I also know not everybody's on the spiritual path, but I know every living person can verify that. Every living person, unless they're truly insane, can pause if you guide them correctly and notice, yes, I'm here. Yes, I is. Yes, I am, right? They know that. Yes, I exist, right? That's, that's common knowledge. So is is not arguable. That's something we all know. Everything else is not real. So what that means is when I slip into believing that something is true, anything other than is, and I state that, blah, 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 blah. And then somebody else steps in, well, blah, 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 blah. The minute they step in with, with the opposite view, I realize I made a mistake. I believe something other than is to be true. And I can just drop it right then. I can say whatever words are appropriate. Oh, yeah, I see your point of view. You know, yeah, you're right. You know, whatever, whatever I need to say to allow myself out of it. I can just drop it. And how do I know that I am wrong and that I was looking at something that wasn't true? Because they disagreed with me. You see, we can't disagree on is. Is, is. I is, you know, I mean, is, is you know, that's this one thing we all know. But political opinions, spiritual beliefs, but so-and-so should be doing with their life, all that stuff, that's all duality, which falls under not true. And so what happens is we all have these beliefs that we don't even recognize. This is why I love this particular one. We don't recognize them. Our beliefs are, are, are so natural to us, we mistake them for, for facts. We mistake them for, I'm right. We mistake them for, you know, everybody thinks this. <laughs> and so the way that I would catch my beliefs in all forms of life is by noticing somebody disagreed with me. Ah, I was in belief land. How do I know? Because they have a different belief. That means I stepped into belief land. That's my mistake. I'm going to quickly, as soon as possible, get out of it. You know, step right back out. And often I would say things like, like I demonstrated a minute. Oh yeah, I see your point of view. Oh yeah, you're right. I, I hadn't looked at it that way. Just get myself out of the conversation. Right? That's what I would do. Just drop it. Because I don't want to continue in belief land. I'm here for truth. So I love, love, love this practice. And, 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 and when it still comes up, I still practice it. I mean, this really became a primary, primary, primary pack practice. And it, it, 
there's lots of opportunities to practice it. You know, the person that I live with uh, does not see the same way I do on a number of issues. And so just being in the household, watching the news, making a comment, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, well, I think blah, 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 blah. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, I mean, immediately it's pointed out to me that I stepped into belief land. The problem was if he had agreed with me, I might not have noticed. Isn't that interesting? Hanging out with people that agree with you on everything is a detriment to awakening. <laughs> you know, we all love these quote, like-minded people. Have we ever asked ourselves why we love like-minded people? Oh yeah, because we like people who think like me. That's a detriment to awakening. You are served by the ones around you who do not think like you because just in being who they're being, they are helping you to find where you're believing so you can drop it. So number 126, what is there to argue about? Isn't what is present, present? Can that be argued? We can only argue about concepts or interpretations. When concepts and inter interpretations are seen as invalid, can there be arguing? Note, if I can disagree with anyone on any point, that point is invalid. Just the fact that we can disagree means it's not truth. You see? Where there's duality, there is not truth. Just the fact that we can disagree means it's not truth, so it's invalid. If I can disagree with anyone on any point, that point is invalid. Truth cannot be disagreed with. Since this is true, I can keep quiet and not disagree. Like I said, I would just back myself out of the conversation in any way that felt appropriate, right? Because I don't need to continue this disagreeing. The whole point, the whole discussion is invalid. So are there any comments or questions about 126? Isn't that beautiful? I mean, are you guys half as excited as I am about that? <laughs> I think it's incredibly exciting to realize if you can disagree with me, I'm wrong. Because I stepped into believing. Laura, do you want to say something? Yeah, I was just going to make a comment because I love this. And uh, yesterday, we were, I think it was during Early Insights, I just immediately saw the phrase purification partner. So anytime, you know, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what, Whether they know it or not. Yeah. That's what everybody else is. <laughs> Our purification partners. Sometimes, of course, in miracles called that mighty companions. But <laughs> yeah. Purification partners. Yeah. All right, let's move on to 127 then. So going back to the Yoga Vashista. Ideas and experiences leave their mark on the mind, which form the impressions or conditioning tendencies, which are for the most part latent or dormant. 
But when the mind is rid of these, the veil vanishes in a moment, like mist at sunrise, and with it the greatest sorrow also vanishes. Again, ideas and experiences leave their mark on the mind, which form the impressions or conditioning tendencies, which are for the most part latent or dormant. But when the mind is rid of these, the veil vanishes in a moment, like mist at sunrise, and with it, the greatest sorrow also vanishes. And one thing that's interesting to me is, um, before I even go to my contemplation that day, how the Yoga Vashistha says that these impressions or this conditioning, these marks that are left on the mind, are for the most part latent or dormant, which means we're not walking around experiencing all them all the time. And this is why uh, once you genuinely get on the spiritual path, it may appear that a lot of things start going wrong. Because when you're genuinely on the spiritual path, what your heart wants is for these latent tendencies to show themselves in consciousness so that you can see them for what they are, just conditioning, just beliefs, just habits, and let them go. And you can't let them go as long as they're latent or dormant. So for a lot of us, what happens when we genuinely start a spiritual path and we really, by genuinely start a spiritual path, I mean, we really do want truth. Therefore, we really do want to let go of everything in us that isn't truth. That's what I mean, just to be clear. When we genuinely want truth and therefore we genuinely want to let go of everything in us that isn't truth, stuff has to start going wrong, according to our interpretation of, of what we want, right? So that these latent things are pushed up. So the spiritual path isn't uh, all peace, love, and joy. Eventually, when all of these things are let go of, as he says, the greatest sorrow also vanishes, then it's all peace, love, and joy, because we're not being driven by conditioning, false beliefs, etc. But the process that we have to go through to let go of them can be a lot of upsets, a lot of pushing up, a lot of pushing up of this dormant stuff. And this is good. You see, this is good. This is to be celebrated. This is what needs to happen in order for us to get beyond believing our conditioning. So let me read 127 again, and then we'll go into my journal. Ideas and experiences leave their mark on the mind, which form the impressions or conditioning tendencies, which are for the most part latent or dormant. But when the mind is rid of these, the veil vanishes in a moment, like mist at sunrise, and with it, the greatest sorrow also vanishes. So let's see where I went with this when I contemplated it back, way back in 2012. What are obstacles to truth realization? Unseen tendencies, which are the mark 
of past believing habitually lived again and again. Acting and thinking without heart guidance discernment repeats past patterns and does not disengage from them. This keeps illusion in place. Ask the heart to reveal these obstacles with its knowing discernment. Ask the heart to lead so that unseen, entrenched tendencies are dissolved. You know, a moment ago I said that, you know, when we genuinely start a spiritual path, right, we, we want to free ourselves of everything that isn't truth. And so we want these latent tendencies to come up into consciousness so we can see them, recognize them for what they are, and let them go. Do you hear all the word want in that? This is a heart choice. I want to be only clarity, right? Therefore, everything in me that is not clarity, I want it to be pushed up so that I can see it, recognize it, and let it go. So it's not that I'm being drugged through this path of things I don't want to happen. This is coming from my heart. This is heart guidance. It's heart discernment, what to push up next. The, the heart you know, knows, right? The inner spiritual wisdom knows it's good to push this thing up next and let go of that. Okay, now it's good to push this thing up next and let go of that. You know, This isn't anything I want to control. This is something I want to trust. And I want to trust that everything that happens in my life is for the purpose of my healing and awakening. Because that's the only purpose I have for life now. Everything that happens in my life, everything that happens in my life has the purpose of healing and awakening. So, what are obstacles to truth realization? What's in my way of knowing pure non-dual reality? Unseen tendencies, which are the mark of past believing, habitually lived again and again. You know, one term I occasionally hear is knee-jerk reaction, right? I, I had a knee-jerk reaction. Well, where do you think these knee-jerk reactions come from? right? Isn't the knee-jerk reaction, this, these unseen tendencies rising up real quick? So when a knee-jerk reaction happens, of course, if it's truly knee-jerk, it happens fast, right? Maybe you didn't see it coming, but did you see it once you said it? <laughs> did you see it once you do it? Then that's your opportunity to look at it and notice it and recognize it, right? That's your opportunity to sit down and journal on it, write out the thoughts that, that you see with it, practice inquiry with it, right? So a lot of this stuff, and you don't want to judge yourself as a failure. Judging yourself as a failure is a, a really bad habit that holds you back. You know, a lot of times we judge ourselves as a failure when we're trying to be spiritual and then we do a knee-jerk reaction. What if you realize that knee-jerk reaction came up so that you could see it, so that you could look at it, that this is the gift from your inner God, the situation that brought up the knee-jerk reaction 
it's giving you a chance to look at what you normally don't see because it's normally down, down inside as a latent tendency. It just came up as an active tendency <laughs> so that you could see it, so that you could inquire into it, so that you could question it, right? What if everything is a gift? And there's nothing that can be left out of that. So what are obstacles to truth realization? Unseen tendencies, which are the mark of past believing, habitually lived again and again. Acting and thinking without heart guidance discernment repeats past patterns and does not disengage from them. So what this is saying is if the knee-jerk reaction happens, and then you just go right on with the believing. You don't pause and question it. You don't look at it with your heart. You don't ask for guidance. You don't use discernment. You know, you just, you know, it's just going to happen again. You just kept it, right? But if the knee jerk reaction happens, and then you go and you look at it again, you maybe you journal on it, whatever you do, you practice inquiry on it, then there's the opportunity to let go of it. So acting and thinking without heart guidance discernment repeats past patterns and does not disengage from them. This keeps illusion in place. Ask the heart to reveal these obstacles with its knowing discernment. It doesn't say, ask the heart to make sure I never snap at someone again, right? It says, ask the heart to reveal these. When I do snap at someone, let me notice it. Let me notice it as an opportunity for inquiry. Let me notice it as an opportunity to look within and find out what believing, what drove that, what was going on with me. Let me recognize it as an opportunity, is what this says. Ask the heart to reveal these obstacles with its knowing discernment. Ask the heart to lead so that unseen, entrenched, look at that word, entrenched tendencies are dissolved. I mean, the dissolving happens through the looking at them, right? Every time they come up. I'm going to read this whole thing again. What are obstacles to truth realization? Unseen tendencies, which are the mark of past believing, habitually lived again and again. Acting and thinking without heart guidance discernment repeats past patterns and does not disengage from them. This keeps illusion in place. Ask the heart to reveal these obstacles with its knowing discernment. Ask the heart to lead so that unseen, entrenched tendencies are dissolved. So does anybody have a comment on 127 before we move on? All right, Lena. Hello, everyone. Hello, Regina. I have very general question. In the quote number 125, you were talking about illusion. And right now you said uh, this keep illusion in place. 
Can you clarify a little bit more in depth? What are illusions? What kind of illusions? Yeah, uh, an illusion is actually uh, anything that can be perceived, but it isn't what it appears to be. So an illusion is anything that can be perceived, but it isn't what it appears to be. So if we go back to the statement that I made before, the only thing that is, 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 <laughs> or the way some people might say it is God is all that is, then anything that appears not to be God is an illusion. I can perceive it with the senses. Okay. Illusions are perceived. When a magician, when a magician does a trick, you see that trick. That's what's so amazing. It's perceived but it isn't what it appears to be. You know, that's mm -hmm. what we call the trick. If you knew his trick, you'd know, you thought you saw this, but this is what actually happened, right? Mm -hmm. So that's true of this world too. The world is an illusion. It is perceived, just like a magician's trick is perceived, but it is not what it appears to be. What's really behind it or what its true essence is, is God. And so what this is saying is that it's our, our, especially our latent tendencies are what keep us seeing the way we seen and perceiving the way we perceive. And when we allow these things to come into our consciousness so that we can see them, inquire into them, recognize them and let them go, as we let go of these, uh, we kind of clear space where these tendencies used to be. And once the space is, is what's here, the space sees God, God sees God, is sees is. So these tendencies or these uh, false beliefs, these um, subconscious beliefs are what cause us to see anything other than God. And as long mm -hmm. as we're reinforcing them, we keep seeing things other than God. Does that answer your question? Yes, it's good, uh, very, very, it's very good. Thank you very much. Yeah. So this is also can be applied to whatever I'm reading uh, any sage like uh, Ramana or Nisargadada. They are saying the world is illusion. So yeah. I don't need to think that, uh, oh, everything is illusion, what I see. So it's our own perception of what we see, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, what Ramana would also say, say is all there is is the self. And what he means, that's the same mm -hmm. as saying all there is is God. So if all you see is God, if all you see is, 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 then you're seeing clearly. If you see anything else, then there's opportunities for healing still available. And what is God for you? If it's, uh, if you can say, is it not, uh, can you say? Well, my favorite word is the one I just used, believe it or not, is. Okay. Is, yeah. Sometimes I use the term life awareness. How um, is this? Ah. Go ahead. Say that again. I didn't understand. No, no. Sorry. I thought I interrupted you. Did you finish to say? I think I did, but I'll just repeat I, it. I said, I said that um, uh, my favorite word is, is. <laughs> but sometimes I use the word life awareness. Hyphenated is one word. Wonderful. Because it's so difficult to get rid of, of uh, all the, even not beliefs. I never believed in God. Uh, 
like all the thoughts that God is something who is separate from us. And whatever I even hear when I read in NTI and hear from you, God, it's picture that pop up right time in my head. I don't know, Regina doesn't think that. No. And I decided to ask you like directly, what yes. is God for you? No, God is not that. God is, yes. is. Yes. God yes. is, no. is. Okay. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's it's understandable and clear. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. This is why Microsoft Word Grammar Checker doesn't like some of my sentences. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God is is. And it doesn't like that. It says repeated word. <laughs> Anything else before we move on? Okay. Then the next one I have is number one thirty two. So 132 from the seven steps to awakening, again, a little bit long, still yoga vashista. They who are established in the state of liberation, as pointed out by the scriptures, surely cross this ocean of world appearance as their consciousness flows toward the self. But they who are caught in the net of polemics which are only productive of sorrow and confusion, forfeit their own highest good. Even in the case of the path shown by the scriptures, only one's direct experience leads one along the safest way to the supreme goal. I'll read that again, and then we'll jump into my journal. They who are established in the state of liberation as pointed out by the scriptures, surely cross this ocean of world appearance as their consciousness flows towards the self. So let me just tell you, this is really what Lena and I were just talking about. They cross this ocean of world appearance, which means they're transcending believing appearance is truth, as they flow towards the self, as they flow towards seeing is, is all that is. Right. That's what this is saying. They who are established in the state of liberation, as pointed out by the scriptures, surely cross this ocean of world appearance as their consciousness flows towards the self. But they who are caught in the net of polemics, which are only productive of sorrow and confusion, forfeit their own highest good. Even in the case of the path shown by the scriptures, only one's direct experience leads one along the safest way to the supreme goal. And I'm going to share my screen for a moment, and we're going to pull up the dictionary, and we're going to look up polemics. There it is. A speech or piece of writing expressing a strong critical attack or on a controversial opinion about someone or something. The art or practice of engaging in contra controversial debate or dispute. So uh, for those of you who need to look words up like I do, we'll reread the sentence. They who are caught in the net of argumentation, right? In the net of debate, which are only productive of sorrow and confusion. That's really what that says. Um, so let's go to 132 in my journal. <laughs> if I had never learned anything 
about what is true or false or right or wrong or up or down, what would I have to guide me? Follow that and do not attempt to defend what is followed. I love that. I'll read that again. If I had never learned anything about what is true or false, or right or wrong, or up or down, what would I have to guide me? Follow that and do not attempt to defend what is followed. So most of us, almost all humans, follow our learning. That's what we're following. What we were taught by our caregivers, what we were taught by our schools, by our culture, by our experience. And that's a block. So the contemplation here is what if I hadn't been taught anything? You know, what if I was just the fool on the hill, just the blank? What would guide me? How would I know where to go and what to do? And the only answer, the only words I can put to that is it would just be that present moment intuition, right? That's all I would have. And so it says, follow that and then don't try to defend it, meaning people who are still following their learning may not always understand your actions. Don't get back into the debate and argumentation trying to defend what you're following. Uh, briefly, one of the perfect examples was um, how I raised my daughter uh, starting at age seven. Up until age seven, I used my learning, you know, like everybody else does. But starting at age seven for her, I uh, uh, surrendered, maybe it was age eight, I don't remember exactly, right around there. I surrendered my knowledge about how to be a parent and I committed to just trusting intuition. And I will tell you that intuition frequently did not do what my learning would have done. Uh, and what was interesting was there were other people, you know, I used to have guests in my house all the time. So there were always people around watching what was going on. And there were, you know, a number of people who told me, you know, if you don't do this with your daughter, and if you don't do that with your daughter, and if you don't, and they were all coming from that same learning, I understood where they were coming from, because that's how I would have thought too. But I was being guided differently. In fact, I was often guided just to gently walk away. You know, not even complete conversations with her sometimes, just gently walk away. Instead of telling her what she should do and what's for, and I'm right, and blah, 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 you know? Um, punishment, if you want to call it punishment, it was correction. It wasn't punished. The most common punishment was um, allowing her, hear that word, allowing her to go to her room and not come out until she was ready. Right? Allowing her to put herself on a timeout and come out when she was ready. I didn't have anything to do with it except allowing it. Um, 
But again, a number of people told me, you know, you're doing this wrong. You should do this. You should do this. You should do this. Well, if anybody knows Jasmine today, she turned out pretty good. Apparently, intuition knew what it was doing. In fact, my learning of how to be a parent, I bet would have screwed her up. I bet you it would have. Somehow, my job as a parent in a lot of situations was to get out of the way and let her figure it out. And guess what? She learned how to do that. Isn't that amazing? So the general rule was I learned not to follow my learning. I learned to follow my present moment intuition and it knew what it was doing better than I would have. So let me just read this one more time and then it looks like we are done for the day. If I had never learned anything about what is true or false or right or wrong or up or down, what would I have to guide me? Follow that and do not attempt to defend what is followed, which means not everybody's going to just agree with you because you're doing it differently than they would have, right? Don't attempt to defend it. Just follow it. And then as a reminder that next week I won't be here, Sina, because that's the week that we're moving to La Vida, right? So I'll be, you know, doing furniture stuff. <laughs> furniture over there and put that one over there. That's what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone.